two skitters and two Sundays. That's amazing. I don't know if it's amazing for you, but I remember back in the 90s, while I was still in Taiwan, wheeling and dealing, doing drugs, selling drugs, doing things like that. And my sister, at that stage, she was here already. I left South Africa in 95. And she said that she knows that God is doing something in our family. So I'm living in Taiwan. My sister's in America. My parents in South Africa. I think my brother was in Scotland at that stage. And she was saying that God is uniting our family. God is doing something amongst our family to bring us together. And here we are. There's my mom. My sister's downstairs, you know. So, I mean, from all these different continents, and we came together, and now we live so close to each other. So, praise God for that. That's, that is amazing. That's truly God. Yeah, so my sister last week, she spoke. This is my first time for 2020 that I'll be speaking. Last time I spoke was at the end of, of 2019. So, my sister said last week that she's an extrovert on steroids, so that would make me an introvert overdosing on Ritalin. Very just quiet by myself, leave me alone. So um, this, this week a guy at boot camp, I joined a boot camp, just a six-week program. And next week is my last week. So the guy who runs the whole place, he said, you should actually get on our group text and get with other people in. And I, I didn't say it out loud, but I could hear it coming out of my mind you want me to become part of a group text where people text and uh, that's the last thing in the world that I want to be on is another group text where, so no thank you, thanks but no thanks. So he was telling me about how amazing this group text is and I said, you go ahead and enjoy, that's wonderful. So my 2020 so far has been a, a roller coaster ride. Um, Paul was just talking about Ryan Bastris, and it doesn't seem like there's any stress in his life, or even if there is, he hides it very well. And I think sometimes, and I've said it before, people look at people who stand in front and think, oh, things are always okay, things are always going good, which is not always the case. Please don't fall for that. It's, we go through everything you go through, but when you stand here, I can't tell you, they can't, you can't tell them all the junk in my life, how things are not working, why it's not working, all of this, and that's not what church is for. But believe me, we go through stuff as well. There's stuff that we face. So my 2020 has been an absolute roller coaster ride. And uh, there's so many areas in my life that are working out so well, but there's a specific certain area that's not working at this stage, not at all. And... I'm so privileged, I'm 48 years old, and this week, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday, what day it was, I went to my mom and dad's place, they live just across the street from where do, I mean, who gets to do that, 48 years old, and you go to talk to your parents about your mess, I did that when I was four, I did it when I was eight, I'm 48, I'm still doing it, and I sat down and I just vomited my mess on them, and I'm like, this is, I can't, you know, and it was just... It was so nice to share from the heart, and there's no judgment. There's no, well, you're a pastor. You must, and you can't. There was none. It was just my mom and dad talking to me. So there's so many things that I am so grateful for, so many things working so well in my life, yet there's one area where it's just not going the way it should. And the thing is that the God that I serve 
if he could do all the other 99 things for me, then why can't this one thing be working in my life? Because it's not about me, it's about my God. So he has raised me up from a bed where the doctor said I would never walk again. I would be lying in a bed. I would die like that. Here I am today. There's so many things that God has done. So therefore, why can't this other area in my life be just as amazing as the other 99? And we were talking one day. We had a meeting, pastor's meeting, and I don't know who was all there. And we were talking about harvest and our dreams for harvest and what we want to do. And somebody said, no, 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 you are all wrong. You, the Bible says you have to be content with what you have. And you just wanting more, and that's wrong. That's selfishness. That's not the will of God. And then Pastor Manny said, and I found this very profound. This is so amazing. Manny stood up, and Manny said, you can only be content if you know that where you are is where God wants you to be. I'll say that again because this is amazing. You can only be content if you know that the place and the circumstance you find yourself in is where God wants you to be. Because if you're in a position or a circumstance where God does not want you to be, you are grateful, we give thanks, we give honor, but you're not content to say, I'm happy with this. If this doesn't change, it's okay. Because your God is the God of exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what you can ask, think, or imagine. Your God is the God of faith to faith. Your God is a God from glory to glory. That's the God we serve. And if this God is so amazing, which he is, why would he do it in nine areas of your life but not in ten? So that was so profound where I know in my life there is one area because I've had prophecies about this. I know on the inside of me. Do you know sometimes just you know that you know that you know that there is something on the inside of me that I there's it's put there by God. Whether I see it, whether I don't, whether it's working, whether it's not, that's God. And there's one area in me that's God. But I'm not seeing the fruition of that. So I can't be content in this area and just sit back and say, well, nine other areas are working well. Forget this area. No, my God is not a 90% God. My God is a God who makes your cup run over. And when my cup runs over, now I can be a witness in all areas of my life. Because I can't go to one person and say, God will do this in your life. But that God's not in that. So forget about that in your life. Just let it go can't do that so i am today the bible says in romans 10 17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god i'm preaching to myself today if you want to join the service you're welcome you are more than welcome to sit in and listen i don't mind but i'm there's a huge mirror there and i'm talking to me so join in if you want don't have to listen if you don't want i need this I need faith. I sometimes go and I listen to my own sermons or teachings, and they're phenomenal. <laughs> and it's not me. I sometimes go and I listen and I think, that's amazing. Where did you get that? Because that was not in my note. That, I, I did not prepare to say that. Where did that come from? And the thing about that is, and that's why Paul says about Ryan Bashless or anyone who stands here, when you are called to do this, because we all call to do something. So when I stand up and I do this, there's something called the anointing of God. 
So when I come to stand here, the anointing takes over. The anointing, 1 John 1.20, it comes out of me because it resides on the inside of me. And I'll say things, and, I'll, I'll, and I did not plan it. I didn't. Or I'll go to someone, and they will say, wow, when you said this and this and this, and I will say, I did not say that. And they said, no, no, you did. You mentioned this. And I would say, I did not mention that. I did not. And it's Holy Spirit taking what I said, making it theirs in that moment for them. And then they think I'm a better speaker than what I am. Because Holy Spirit opened their ears and revealed something to them. So that's what I'm saying. Last night I preached at, at a place and people thought it was amazing. It was amazing, but people were, that's great. And when we left, I said to Tiffany, that's the most difficult thing for me is to start preaching or teaching, which I love to do and it's great. And then the anointing comes and you speak and it's wonderful. But I have to live what I say. I can't just come here and speak this amazing stuff in the Word of God, this and that, and then leave, and I don't do what I tell you to do. That would be a hypocrite. So the most difficult thing is when you're under the anointing and the Holy Spirit is flowing, it's wonderful, then you leave the meeting going home thinking, my goodness, now I've got to live up to that? <laughs> yeah, well, you said it. Well, it was, it was the Holy Spirit through me. So, so what I'm saying today is I need this. This is me talking to me. So, let's go. One of my favorite teachers always used to say this. This is way back. He he used to say, never preach about what you are going through. Because you never know how it's going to end. And then when it ends differently than what you thought, you're going to have to retract all your tapes from the bookshelves. That just shows you how long ago it was when we still had tapes. Everything was recorded on a tape. But he would say, don't preach what you're going through because you don't know how it's going to end. And sometimes because you get emotional and there are things that come against you, you don't know and you speak and it's not right because you're emotional and you can't see the wood from the trees. And then when everything's passed and God has made that situation go away and brought his perfect will in it, now you've already spoken all that trash about what you were going through that wasn't right, wasn't the will of God. So I'm not speaking about what I'm going through. I'm talking about the answer. And what I'm speaking about today is we we sang about it today um, is just that if you are here, I'm I'm, I'm in this building, but if you are on earth, your purpose has already been written in stone. Your destiny, the plan of God for you is already set up. It doesn't have to be created It doesn't have to be made. It is already in motion. If that were not true and we'll go to the word, you would not be here. So just by you and I being here on this earth today means that there is such purpose with your life. There is such destiny with your life. And even before you came through your mother's womb, even before your mom and dad got together, that purpose was there, laid out, set aside, never changes. Doesn't matter what you do. God had a plan. God is the most purposeful being there is. So by just you being here in 2020 on God's green earth means you are amazing and there is amazing purpose and destiny with your life. So let's go into the Word and look at this. 
this is something that I, I, I something happened to me yesterday, and I didn't know if I should if I should share this. I believe sometimes the Lord reveals something to us, says something to us, and in the beginning it was so amazing to me that God would actually speak to me, that He would say things to me, and when He said it to me, I would go tell everybody. Because this is amazing. God said this. And after a while, God, God got through to me and said, it, it's not for them, Rifle. It's for you. So I started keeping what he said. And now sometimes God tells me something and I think to myself, this is just for me. And now I'm on the other. God say, no, you can share this with other people. So yesterday something happened and God spoke to me, not with this ear, but just I realized something on the inside. And it was really, really good. But I wondered, should I share that? Is that just for me? I'll keep quiet. And this morning, like the last two or three times at pre-service prayer, something so amazing happened. And Paul prayed, and Paul said when, when I was in the middle, they were praying for me. He said, and this is what today's whole teaching is about. He said, before Rifle was born, then I knew God was saying, okay, share this. And then he said, before Rifle was born, all the words that he speaks came from heaven. So Holy Spirit said, I need to share this with you. So this is for somebody here today. What I went through yesterday, this is for you. It's for me too first, but it's for someone in here as well. So I told you about this boot camp that I joined. On Saturday, their class, the earliest class is at 8. In the week, you can go at 5.45, but on a Saturday, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. So I said to my wife, I'll go to the 8 o'clock class, then I'll go to German, then I'll come back home. So my next day starts the night before. That's just the way I'm wired. I'm wired that way. When I go to bed at night, my next day is already planned. So when I wake up, I know what to do. I know what words I'm going to say when my eyes open. I'm already, there's no, what am I going to if this structure, that's just me. So I've got everything ready. So I have to leave my house at about quarter to seven to be there on uh, quarter to eight to be there on time so i leave it about 25 minutes to eight so there's loads of time to get to the boot camp get in the car i'm driving nice and cold i love it it's freezing cold outside and i'm just loving this weather and i'm driving and as i get onto the off-ramp to get onto the highway the off-ramp is backed up can't get onto the highway so i want to go back i can't go back because there are cars now behind me. Now I'm thinking, dear Lord, what is happening now? I'm, I'm thinking, I'm guessing it was because of, of, of tomorrow, the gun thing that they're having down here. The police are already out. Things are happening, and they're blocking roads. It's amazing. So now cars go slowly, slowly, slowly. And, and as I get onto the highway, I can see police cars and ambulance, and the roads block off. And they're gearing us all to get off a little, little off-ramp that gets you somewhere close to Broad Street, by the diamond. So I'm, I'm just sitting down. I'm watching the time. And I'm like, I'm anxious for nothing. In all things, with prayer and supplication, let your prayers be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. So I am so thankful. I am not anxious for anything. And we're going, going, going. And time's moving, moving, moving. And Psalms 8 says, I have dominion over time. So I am not anxious for anything. And the time's ticking down, and the car's moving slowly. So I get off, and as I get off this, I've never been on this road. I have no 
clue where I am. I don't know what direction the place is that I need to go to. I have no idea. Now, I'm not allowed to use my phone because it's illegal. Okay, so I don't use my phone. Can't do that. It's against the law. So I push the phone and I speak and I say, give me the address to this place. And it said, yeah, something, something, bar and grill. This is, and I'm sorry, did you not understand what I said? I'm not looking for a bar and a grill. I'm looking for this place. So now I'm lost. And I'm driving. And eventually it's three minutes to eight. I have no idea where I am. I'm somewhere close to the diamond because I can see the baseball field over there. But it's a small little road. It, it's, it's pandemonium on the inside. So I know that I'm not going to make the 8 o'clock class. So I say, that's okay. Right next to the, the, the place is a 7-Eleven. I'll go there. I'll chomp on some caffeine, and then I'll go to the 9 o'clock class. So I phone Tiffany, and I say, I'm going to be very late. This has happened. I can't go at 8. I've got to go at 9. So in any case, I'm driving, I'm following some cars, and the next thing I get on a road and I'm traveling now, I know I'm going in the right direction. And when, I don't know, when I realize I am just literally minutes away from the place. I don't know how I got there. I don't know what road I took. I, I don't know. If, if you told me to go now, I can't tell you the road that I went on. So I go down the road, and I see when I drive past the place, there's a huge glass window, and I look inside, and the people are still busy doing their warm-ups. They're halfway. There are five exercises that you warm up with. So when I see them doing this action, I know that they're only halfway through the warm-up. So I go around the corner and I pull in. I'm a little bit late. I couldn't do the warm-up, but I got to get to the 8 o'clock class even though I was late. And Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, you had given up. But I will get you there. That thing that you are concerned about, that thing that's not working in your life, that thing which is not panning out the way you believed it would, and you got goals and visions and dreams, and you work and you go for something, go for something, you've given up. Because you've done everything you know how to do. And there was a roadblock. And you know what? All the way to this place, I must have seen three accidents. And what people said was the bridges freeze over before the roads do, and people get on the bridge and they slide because of the ice, and, and that was all the... But Holy Spirit said to me, you gave up. I did. There's no ways I can be there at 8, so I'll go at 9, and I've wasted an hour. And I got to the 8 o'clock class. So Holy Spirit wants to say to somebody, including me, in here, you gave up. You said that, you know what, that's just, I've tried. I've done everything I know to do. It just didn't work. I'll do the next best thing. But Holy Spirit says, I'll get you there. That's for someone in here he wanted me to share. So, Proverbs 4, verse 7. As Pastor Doug said three weeks ago, we do believe in Scripture around here. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. You see, when we have a problem, when we have an issue, the problem becomes the principal thing. The problem is not the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. 
but we look at the problem, we meditate about the problem, we think about the problem, we think how are we going to do this, what should I do, and where thought goes, energy flows. So what's happening is the problem, the situation, the circumstance is becoming stronger and stronger and bigger and bigger and it's growing. And the problem is not the principal thing. Instead of looking and facing and thinking about the problem, we need to get the wisdom because as soon as you've got the wisdom, the problem can go away. But many of us, the devil dupes into looking and focusing on and thinking about and meditating on the problem. But the Bible says wisdom is the principle. In other words, the most important, the number one thing. Therefore, get wisdom. But understand what that wisdom is going to do. So instead of focusing on the problem, get the wisdom of God that will take the problem away. And we need to change our focus sometimes from being problem-orientated to wisdom of God-orientated because the wisdom will take the problem away. Let's focus on the things that God tells us to focus upon. If we go to 1 Corinthians 2.12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the Holy Spirit shows us things that have been freely given to us by God. My question is, when were these things freely given to us by God? Anybody? When were the things of God given to us? Before the foundation of the world. So everything we need, everything we're looking for, has already been freely given to us, and now Holy Spirit can reveal the things that have already been freely given to us by God. And when we think that we have to come up with what we need, I'm talking to me now, I have to come up with that right now in this hear, smell, touch, taste, and see realm, Holy Spirit says, I don't move there. I will reveal to you what has already been freely given to you before you even arrived on earth. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Can you remember Abraham walking up the mountain to sacrifice his son? Got the firewood, he's got the knife, he's got everything there except the sacrifice. In his mind, he has the sacrifice. In his son's mind, he's lacking a sacrifice. In God's mind, everything's been taken care of. So whose mind are we looking at this story from? Do we read it from Abram's perspective, Isaac's perspective, or God's perspective? It would behoove us to read it from God's perspective. So God says, you go up the mountain, you do this, you do that. They go and they're obedient, but that which was already freely given to Abraham before the foundation of the earth, and I've done many teachings on this before, when was that ram placed in that bush? Before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden. 
before anyone ever existed, God had already placed that ram in that bush so that no sacrifice on Abraham and Isaac's part would be necessary because God would provide the sacrifice. And so many times we walk in obedience to what God tells us to do and we're looking for things that have already freely been made available for us. But it's very, very difficult to walk up the mountain looking for the sacrifice, thinking where is it, where is it, where is it, where God says, once you get to the top, I'll show it to you. It's there. It's caught in the bush. It's not going anywhere. In other words, if God has prepared something for you, no one else can take it. Therefore, you never, I never, we never have to be jealous. Never, never. If you think that you worked so hard and you deserve a promotion, you deserve, uh, you know, in, in your job, someone else got the position you wanted, bless them. Because if that was for you, nobody could take it. And so many times we look around and we see people getting things and I want that and I'm doing this and this is not happening. Why is it happening for them? We're focusing on the wrong thing. That's the problem. Wisdom is the principal thing, not the issue. Because if God designed, if God placed something there for you, dear brother or sister, nobody will be able to withhold that from you. Isn't that an amazing thought? We never have to be stressed or worried about somebody's going to get what's mine. No, they can't. Nobody can take out of God's hand that which he has prepared for you. So relax. Bless. Don't think about, I should have. That was, no. If they got it, it wasn't meant for you. God has something for you that nobody can take. So just continue in doing good because in due time, what does the word say? You're going to get what's yours. You're going to get what God has preordained and prepared for you. So, Romans, let's go to, this is one of my favorite parts in the Bible, Romans chapter 4. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. And just to stop there, whenever you do something good or something amazing, how could you do that? By God's grace. There's nothing that you and I receive when we put money, tithes, offerings, see whatever you bring, put into the offering bag. We first receive from him, therefore we can give. When I love somebody else, the only reason I can is because he first loved me. So everything we have is because of his grace that he first gave to us. So if we accomplish something amazing, you know what? It's by the grace of God. So that no flesh can boast. That's the whole thing about this. It's by faith that comes from where? From God, from hearing his word. So it's his faith. And then because of the faith, we receive the grace to be able to do what he's called us to do. So nobody can say, just look at me. Am I not just so amazing? Look what, no, 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 no. It's because of the grace of God that you accomplish that so that no flesh can boast in his presence. So, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. 
who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God. He believed God. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So when did they exist? That's probably poor English grammar, not an English scholar. But God calls those things which be not as though they were. When were they? Exactly the same answer as the previous question. Today's test is very easy. You just have one answer. Before the foundation of the earth, 100%. Every time I ask you today, you just say, before the foundation of the earth, and we're good. So God calls those things which be not right now. We can't see them right now, but he calls things which you can't see right now as if, as though they, they were, that you could see them right now because they were. But when were they the first time? Before the foundation of the earth. They were before you were. Does that make sense? So God, and now we are made in his image, in his likeness, so we do the same. We call those things that be not. So when I was in a bed, couldn't walk, I called those things which be not. What was not being good in my life? Bad English, my health. Me being able to walk, me being able to do normal things. I called those things which be not as though they were right now. When were those things? When was my healing paid for? When did the stripes of Jesus occur? When was health given to me? When did God decide for me to be a healthy human being? Before I was here. So I called those things that were before I was as though they were right now while I'm lying in a bed. Right now I'm healed. Right now by the stripes of Jesus I can run. Doctor's saying, you can't even walk. You can't even move your hand. You've lost your mind. How can you? I'm just calling those things that were before Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden as though they were right now. And you know what? The things that were, I don't have to call them anymore because now they are. And dear brother or sister, I can't boast about anything of that, not one thing, because if it were not for his grace, I would, if not in the bed, it would be worse, I'd be dead. But I'm, I'm here. I'm doing things I shouldn't be able to do. Why? Because I called those things that were not, I called health that was not physical in this realm as if it was physical in this realm because it was before the foundation of the earth. That's good. In the presence of him whom he believed. So God who gives life to the dead calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Look here. Who contrary to hope. This verse just absolutely confused the spit out of me. Look what that says. Who contrary to hope. 
Another translation says, where there was no hope, in hope he believed. Man, that's, these writers of the Bible really, I mean, they, they needed English grammar classes. Where there was no hope, in hope he believed. How? Do, how? That doesn't, just like many things in this book, it doesn't make sense. The hope of glory, him that falls all in all dwells in me. How in the world? How? doesn't matter. It's true. Just get there by spirit because you can't get there with mine. Get there by spirit. So where there was no hope. Okay, so in this circumstance, how old is Abraham? He's old. He's in his 70s. His wife, man, there's no, there's no way that they can have a child in the natural. So there's no hope in natural circumstances. But where there was no hope, in hope he believed. What hope did he believe in? The word of God that came to him, that said to him, before the foundation of the earth, I had already created you to be the father of many nations. And now he hoped in that because in the natural there was no hope. So where there was no hope, in the word of God and the faith that that brought, in hope he believed. And now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So while I'm lying in the bed, I cannot hope in anything natural. Because the doctor said, there's no cure for this. There's nothing we can do. There's no ways you will ever be normal again. So where there was no hope, in hope I believed. Where did my hope come from? The word of God that said, before you were ever in this circumstance and situation, you were already healed. I made you well. That was my hope. And now in that hope, which doesn't appear with your five physical senses, he believed. And he became so powerful that after the promised child was born, after his first wife had died, he had six more children. Do you realize that? Did you know that? Six more kids after the promised child. Because he was so, so, so convinced that he is the father of many, many nations, that it was not a problem to him anymore to just have children, have children, have children, regardless of his age, regardless of in the natural how bad things look, because in hope he believed, and that hope changed the circumstance. So when you and I are going through something, and it's not working, and we've done everything, we can't, I'm talking to myself here, you can't look at natural circumstances. You have to go to the word of God that he spoke to you concerning that issue. And in that you hope. And in that you believe. And on that you stand. And that makes Hebrews 11 one work. That is the substance. Because if you hope for nothing, you'll get it every single time. And that's what the world teaches us. What does the world say? Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. 
Why? Because the world doesn't want you to have anything. Because the world and the king of this world knows when we get what we get from God, we're going to use it to establish his kingdom. So don't get your hopes up because then every time you'll get it, you'll have nothing and then you can say, where's God? So where there is no hope in the natural, we go to the hope of his word and that will come to pass. So that's just Abraham. That's an amazing part of scripture there. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, please. That which has been is what will be. That which has already been. It's been done. It's over and done with. That which has been will be. God never starts something before he's finished it. I know this is just, but please. God never starts something before he has already finished it. When he has finished, completed, made whole something, then he only starts it. You're looking at me like, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So that which has been is what will be. So end times, whether you believe in rapture, no rapture, tribulation, no tribulation, three years, three and a half, it doesn't matter. You know what? All of that has already been done in the eyes of God. It's finished. So now we boil it down to your life, my life, didn't start on the day you were born. So December 8th, 1971, this lady births me. That's, that's my beginning in flesh. But it didn't start December 8th, 1971. Because God doesn't start something before he has finished it. So I was finished, made whole, everything of my life, my purpose, destiny, plan of God, everything was perfectly made and pre-created. And then I started. So now in this time of me having started and going through this walk I can't pay attention to what I hear, touch, taste, see, and smell in the five-sense realm because everything that I need to make me whole and be successful here has already been done. And God said, now that it's been done and it's over and it's successful, now I can start you and you can start in the flesh. Does that make sense? Your life, brother and sister, has already been taken care of. It's already started. It's already ended. It's already magnificent in the spiritual realm. And then he started you. That's why I'm saying if you are here today 
that just means that you are amazing. The path for you has already been set aside. You are now seated in heavenly places where you started on the inside of him in heaven before you even had your first birthday. So we need to start focusing on the right thing because sometimes we focus on the problem and the problem is not the issue. Wisdom is the principal thing, not the problem. So that which is done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And there's some things happening now today that are just, wow, absolutely horrendous. And people talk about the youth and things that are happening and times are so bad and dark. I just personally ask myself, I wonder in the church of Corinth if they had social media, if we would be so shocked today. Because things are bad. But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So do you think if they had social media in the church of Corinth and they were video recording and things that we do today and blowing out so the whole world could see it, we would be so shocked today? It's just because we haven't seen it before. But the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. There's just awareness of things happening that we see now for the first time and say, oh, I've never seen that before. Well, don't you think in broken a man's heart that's not tied to God, that wasn't happening many, many thousands of years ago? It's just now that it can be revealed and blown up so that the whole world could see and focus and think this is so bad, but there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? How many times? This has never happened before. Okay, we'll go to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. No, no, no. This has never happened before. Okay, you saying that, I'm saying this. There. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? Because God never starts something before he's finished it already. It's already happened. When was Jesus slain? See, right answer again. Every before the foundation of the earth. Jesus was slain. So in other words, when were your sin and my sins taken care of? Before the foundations of the earth. Isn't that something? And the enemy comes now and he wants to make you feel guilty and bad. Meanwhile, God already paid for that. Jesus had done all that work, all that sacrifice on the cross before Adam and Eve walked in the garden. Therefore, where Adam messed up and he's hiding, God can come to him and say, Hey, my son, where are you? Because before that happened, he'd already taken care of that. He doesn't start something before he's finished it. And the enemy makes us focus on the wrong thing. But we go way, 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 way back in time before any of this mess ever happened. And in that place, we were whole. And because of that, we are here today. What's the time? Ten minutes. Whee. Okay. I'm going to end with this. Genesis chapter 1. I'll end here. Please, if you have not been paying attention, pay attention now. Get this. Then God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So get this here. Let me... Notice here, God didn't just create the light. He also saw the light. Let there be light. So where does that come from? Before light was, it had to come from somewhere. So in his mind, he dreams of light. He speaks light. Now he creates the light. So there's light. But then it goes on to say, he saw the light. Isn't that silly? When you create something, of course you see it. You don't have to tell someone, I saw it. When someone, when someone created this plastic bottle, did they see the bottle? Yes. So why would you say, Somebody created the bottle, they made it, held it in their hand, and somebody saw the bottle. Well, yeah, duh. When you created the bottle, you saw it. You saw it in your mind before it was here. But look at God. Look here. Look at this verse. Then God said, let there be light. So he created the light, and he more than just created, he saw you know what that word saw in the Hebrew means? For any of you wanting to know. H, this is Hebrew, um, number 7,200. So in the Strong's Concordance, H, 7,200, it is the word ra'ah. Ra'ah, which means to see within something, to look inside of something. So God created the light. There's the light. But then God saw inside the light. And what is he looking for inside the light? That word means when you look inside, this is what it means. To perceive. There's a difference in seeing something and perceiving something. So God creates the light and he perceives, he understands now the meaning and what light was created for. There's a purpose with the light. So it's not just creating it, but after he creates it, he sees into it and into that seeing of the light, he says, that's good, and it is called day. So, you're in my life. When we were born, when we came forth, God created us, but he didn't just create us. He created us, and then he, ra'ah, he looked into us and perceived why we are there 
and he looked at it in the inside to perceive, and he said, that is good, and he called it evangelist, doctor, teacher, musician, pastor, politician, whatever it is. So when the light was created, there was a purpose before it was created, but God created it, then looked into it and saw its purpose and said, it is good, and I name you day. And now you will be the separation of night and day because everything that God makes has such amazing purpose with it that you are not just a creation. Once again, today, talking about life, abortion, babies. Kill the child. Waste of time. Didn't plan it. Don't have money. Don't have time. There's so many things that people go through. But when that baby was put in the mother's womb, God created it. But he it. He looked into that child and he said, you are good. And your purpose is this and this and this. And that is what he sees within his creation. Do you get that? That's exciting. So you sitting in this place today, God is the most purposeful being that exists. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that he creates that doesn't carry so much destiny and purpose, even if you don't see and understand it. The verse is the, the first time. Okay, I told a lie. I'm not going to finish here. Is that okay? <laughs> Will you forgive me? I lied. The first time you see the word meditate in the Bible is in Genesis. The very first time. So look here. This is so amazing. Look here. Oh, man, this Bible. Genesis 24, 63 to 65. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. So it's quiet. Sun's coming down. Beautiful setting around you. He's meditating. And lifted his eyes and looked. And there the camels were coming. Then Rebekah lifted her eyes. And when she ra'ah. Same word. Same word. Isaac goes into the field. Who told him to meditate? Because meditation is a big thing today. It's in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. The very first book of the Bible, it's there. Go to a quiet place, go to the fields where it's cool and calm and meditate. So while he's meditating, he looks up, he ra'as his wife coming to him. And at the very same time when she sees, she ra'as him. So they at that stage are looking and realize you were created, but way, way much more than that. Let me look at the purpose of your creation, what you are good for, and I will call you that because that is your purpose and your destiny, and that is what you are to fulfill here in life. 
Same word. Ra'ah. So every time God looks at you, he doesn't just look. He ra'ahs. And he sees into and he perceives how good you are and the reason for you being here on this earth. And he calls you that. And he says, it is good. So rifle, when something in your life is not working and something is not going right and you don't have the answers and you don't understand and you have given up because of so many roadblocks, I have already, I have already planned your future. Ephesians 2 verse 10, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. I've already set your path. It cannot be changed. I have created you, and then I ra'ad you for a certain purpose. So if you haven't seen that purpose come to fruition yet, it doesn't mean it's not happening. They're just a couple of roadblocks in the way. And should you yourself say, I'm giving up because it's too hard, it's not working, I have ra'ad you, and I will get you there. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and I needed to hear this today (laughs) I need to go back and listen to this again because there's just something that's not but God is like no wisdom is the principal thing don't focus on the problem I will get you there What has God purposed you for? And if you don't know, you're halfway there. Because after today, after hearing this, you must now surely understand there is a purpose for you. Because so many people live and there's no purpose. But after today, when you leave this place, you've got to understand, man, I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a purpose. I may not know what it is, but now I need to go seek it out. Where other people are just living and they're not seeking out anything because they don't understand purpose. So you're halfway there if you don't even know. If I say to you, what has God created you to do? What is God's dream for you? What did he ra'ah when he made you? That is what will come to pass if we just stay with him. Because it is by grace and faith that we receive the promises, not by our greatness. And God is able to make all grace abound towards us so that we can do what he ra'ad us to do. Let's all stand up. Father, we just come today, I just come today, I just, I'm so grateful for the word because however it works, I don't know, but you said faith comes by hearing and faith has come today to us because we heard your word. And we just thank you, Lord, that man, you are so amazing, so wise, so kind, so loving, so gentle, 
Your word says that should we deny, should we give up, it says that you are faithful and you cannot deny yourself. So sometimes, Lord, when things get hard, sometimes when we face circumstances and we believe it's over, it's done, I cannot, I've tried, you have no idea what I've gone through, you will put your hand on our shoulder and say, it's a roadblock. It's a roadblock. I will get you there. So just keep on driving. Don't pull off. Don't stop the car. Stay and drive. Whether you go one mile an hour, just go forward. Because I am the God of the impossible. And I will get you there. So we just receive this word. Lord, today your word says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The most humbling thing we can do, Lord, is to receive your purpose, your call, your destiny for us. So today we humble ourselves and we say, so be it. You will get us there. And we choose to focus on you. We keep our eyes on you. We keep our mind stayed on you. And in doing that, you will keep us in perfect peace. So we just thank you, Lord, that you ra'ad each and every one of us. And before we were born, we were already created. And before we came out of our mother's womb, our path had already finished. And you had said, the good work which I start in you, I will finish. I will bring to fruition. I will get you there. So we just come now and we give you these roadblocks. We just cast them upon you because your word says you are our caretaker. So whatever is not working, whatever we face right now that we think this, this, this may be it, we can't anymore. We cast this into your loving arms right now. And we say, Jesus, take the wheel because you will get us there. And when it does come to fruition and we can come and give a testimony and stand before people and say, I don't know how I would have made it if it were not for the Lord. You will be glorified. You will be made known. And we can, with the greatest humble heart, say, it was all by the grace and the faith that God gave me. It's because of you that I am what I am. As David said, I am nothing but for the goodness of God. So we thank you for the word today. Thank you that you spoke to our hearts. Thank you that we receive this word, the seed. And thank you that you will get us there. In Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. Thank you so much. See you next time.